Well, you know that over the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, looking at the work of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, here at Smack One. Uh, we've seen already that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us new life. Uh, we have been born of the Spirit. Uh, that was the Spirit's work, wasn't it? We didn't actually help. Uh, apart from uh, His work to open our eyes to Jesus, to enable us to have faith in Him, we would have never have believed. Uh, which is why the Apostle Paul says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We've also seen the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals God to us. Uh, he speaks to us. He shows us Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we know the Father. And so because of the Spirit, we actually know God. And the Spirit who gave us the Word of God is the one who continues to speak to us through that Word that He has given. But that's not the only thing the Spirit does. Uh, today we will see the very same Spirit who gave us new birth, the Spirit who reveals the Father to us, who gives us access through the Son to the Father, is the Spirit who transforms us into the family likeness. He is the one who is at work in us, who changes us to be more like Christ. And He calls us to work with Him in this process. Now, there are many different ways this is, can be described in the Bible. Uh, for example, the Bible talks about being led by the Spirit. Now, people often use that phrase in different ways. The Spirit led me to, to, to marry somebody or to do a particular job or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, but in both occasions that the Bible uses this phrase about us, not about Jesus, but about us, it's about something far, far, far more important than that. Uh, it's about something that God has been far more interested in. All right, have a look with me at Romans 8. Uh, if you're using your green sticker Bible, uh, Romans 8, which we read just now. Romans 8, which we read just now, on page 944. Anyone using a, the smaller yellow sticker Bibles? Are there anyone using a yellow sticker Bible? Nobody, in which case I won't have to worry about giving you a reference for that. That's good. Okay, Romans 8. Uh, uh, and come with me down to, to verse 14. In verse 14 in Romans 8, on page 944, Here's what it says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, what does that mean? All who are led by the Spirit of God. What's the Spirit leading us to? Well, if you go back to verse 13, is the explanation for it. It says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, the Spirit leads us to put to death the deeds of the body. The Spirit leads us to kill sin in our life. The Spirit leads us, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God, our sons of God. Do you see that? The Spirit is anti-sin. And He is leading us to be anti-sin as well. Verse 13 tells us actually there are two ways to live. We can live according to the flesh. That is, we can live our lives with an orientation to sin. Or we can, by the Spirit, kill sin. And those who are led by the Spirit are those who, like the Spirit, are anti-sin. And they are the ones who are the genuine sons of God. The Spirit leads us in the charge against sin in our lives and assures us that we are God's children. The other phrase we, yeah, sorry, the other place we see this phrase is in Galatians 5. Come with me to Galatians 5. That's on page uh, 975. 975, Galatians 5. 
In Galatians chapter 5, page 975, in Galatians 5, verse 18, we read that if we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. Now, what does being led by the Spirit mean here? Well, again, you go back to verse 17. It says, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit against the flesh. And what does the flesh produce? Well, you go down to verse 19. Sexual immorality. Right? Sexual activity outside of marriage. Impurity. Moral filth. Sensuality. Uh, promiscuousness, that is. Uh, idolatry. The worship of anything other than God, usually statues or images. Sorcery, being involved with magic or witchcraft. Enmity, or uh, being hostile or hateful to other people. Strife, I keep on quarreling or brickering with people. Jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, which comes from, from selfish ambition. Dissensions, causing divisions among people. Purposely go and catch up. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And Paul warns in verse 21, if we live in this way, if that is the orientation of our life, we have no part in the kingdom of God. This is no play-play. On the other hand, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love for God, love for Jesus, love for God's people, love for the world. It is joy. The kind of joy that comes from knowing that God loves you and, and that your eternal future is secure no matter what happens. Peace, whether it's an internal peace from trusting God in the situations or peace that characterizes your relationship with other believers. Patience comes from awareness of God's own patience for us in Christ. Kindness, again a response to the kindness God has shown us in the Lord. Goodness, or generosity, it could be translated. Again, the Spirit showing us God's goodness and generosity and leading us to be like that. Faithfulness, being the kind of person that people can trust because you serve a God who is faithful and trustworthy. Gentleness, which includes humility and courtesy and self-control. If we are led by the Spirit, then we will produce this fruit. The Spirit is leading us to be like this. The Spirit is leading us to holiness, which is hardly surprising because He is the Holy Spirit. And if we are genuine believers, then we will and we must go with Him in that direction. If we belong to Jesus, verse 24 says, we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've said, flesh, I want you to die. So follow the Spirit by putting that into practice every day, day by day. Right? Fruit is something that grows slowly. Lah. It doesn't happen all at once, right? But it grows. The little choices that we make. If we live by the Spirit, verse 25, that is, if the Spirit has given us new life, let's keep in step with the Spirit. That is, let us act in a way that's consistent, step by step, little by little, with the way that He wants us to act. Not being, verse 26, not becoming conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You see, being led by the Spirit is all about being led away from sin into being like Christ in our character. That's where the Spirit wants to take us. So if we are believers, follow His lead. Keep in step with Him. Produce His fruit.
being led by the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, they're all about being godly, isn't it? Uh, and again, that's hardly surprising because that is what God promised in the Old Testament. Uh, turn with me back now to the, our Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, that's on page 723. Page 723, Ezekiel 36. You remember Israel had been sent into exile because they didn't obey God's law. Uh, and now God is sending them a, a, a God, uh, God's making them a promise to the prophet Ezekiel. And he's promised that one day he'll bring them back. Uh, in chapter 36, uh, verse 25, that's on the next page, sorry, 724. 724. Uh, in verse 25, he promises that he's going to wash them clean from their sins, sprinkle clean water on you. In verse 26, he says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put in you. We talked about, you might have talked about the fulfillment of this a couple of weeks ago when Tim spoke about the um, uh, being born again of water and the spirit, isn't it? Well, the very next verse uh, is in verse 27. He says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Do you see that? The same spirit who would give God's people new birth, the same Spirit will enable them to obey Him. The Spirit who gives us life, changes us, enables us to follow God's commands. Being led by the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. All about being godly. Now, there's another group of phrases that the Bible uses when talking about the work of the Spirit in our lives. And those, those phrases are all about the filling of the Spirit. Again, a lot of confusion because people talk a lot about it without going back to the Bible to see what it says. Uh, sometimes people talk about feeling some sensation or tingling and associate the filling of the Spirit with that. Now, it's not wrong to have an emotional experience. It's Probably a good thing uh, sometimes. But uh, that's not mentioned in the Bible, and it's certainly not what the Bible teaches about being spirit-filled. Uh, others talk about expressing some kind of gifts. And again, the gifts are in the Bible, aren't they? Uh, the Spirit gifts us. We'll look at that next week. Uh, but that's not actually linked in the Bible to being filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be spirit-filled according to the Bible? Well, there's actually three different phrases used in the Bible. Uh, first one is being filled with the Spirit. Second one is being full of the Spirit. Uh, and the third one is being filled by the Spirit. Uh, um, let me talk to you about each of them in turn. Now, the first two are found in Luke and Acts. Now, the last one is found in Ephesians. Uh, let's look one by one. Right? Filled with the Spirit. Uh, Luke and Acts both have descriptions of people who are filled with the Spirit. Uh, and when they are filled with the Spirit, they are filled with the Spirit for a specific purpose. And it's always got to do with speaking the Word of God. Uh, let me show you. Uh, here's the, can you see that? Uh, the, it's in the, the references are in your handout, so you can go and look it up at home, right? I'll just show you from here. Um, the first one is from Luke chapter 1. It's talking about, the, about John the Baptist, and he will be filled with the Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Uh, and he'll turn many children of Israel to the Lord their God. And then in Luke chapter 1 as well, Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and she cries out and speaks a blessing uh, to Mary and to her baby. 
in Luke chapter 1 again, Zechariah is filled with the Spirit and he prophesies. Uh, the, on the next slide. Um, um, in chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, uh, the God's people on the day of Pentecost are filled with the Spirit and they begin to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 8, Peter is filled with the Spirit and he speaks to the rulers of the people and the elders and he preaches God's Word to them. And Acts 4, uh, God's people are gathered together and they're praying and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the Word of God with boldness. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17, uh, um, Saul is filled with the Spirit. And so what does he do? He proclaims Jesus in the synagogue, saying that he is the Son of God. Uh, and in Acts 13, uh, Paul, filled with the Spirit, speaks a word against uh, one of the enemies of, uh, of Christ and his gospel. What do you notice about all these things to put together? Well, being filled with the Spirit, it's like God is empowering someone to say something for Him. Like Elizabeth or Zechariah uh, in speaking prophetically. Uh, the, 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 the early Christians uh, speaking the Word of God in, in other tongues on the day of Pentecost. Peter preaching the Gospel to people. The Holy Spirit enabling them to speak the message that He wanted to be, to be given. Right, to be filled with the Spirit here is being empowered to speak God's Word, which is, again, not surprising, isn't it? Because there's a very strong connection between the Spirit and the Word. Secondly, we see it's usually a one-off kind of thing, right? God fills them with the Spirit so they can do His task. But again, the next time they need that power, Holy Spirit fills them again to do it. Like Peter, he's with the rest on the day of Pentecost, where then when he speaks to the leaders again in Acts 4, he's filled again because he needs God's special empowering to do that. Right? The exception, of course, we saw was John the Baptist, who is filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Um, thirdly, it is not specifically about speaking in other languages. Right? What we have in common in all those passages is speaking the Word of God. Uh, in all the references to being filled with the Spirit, there's one reference to doing it in other languages, and that is on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and those languages were other foreign languages that people understood. So really, it's just another incident of speaking God's Word. Um, not saying there's no place for tongues, right? Again, wait till next week, cover it under the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, but it's not evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Uh, what the passages have in common is not tongues, but a powerful and bold proclamation of the Word of God. You see that? Okay, so fourth one, being filled with the Spirit here is not self-service. Right? It's not something that people manufacture themselves. Don't fill yourself up with the Spirit. Uh, it just happens, right? Uh, the Spirit, that's something the Spirit does to enable people to proclaim His Word. Fifthly, it's not just an apostolic thing. Right? You might have thought, ah, the special empowering to proclaim the Word, maybe it's a, a, something for the, just the prophets and the apostles, uh, because, you know, Peter was filled with the Spirit and he preached. Paul was filled with the Spirit, proclaimed Christ in the synagogues. Well, but then, when you think about it, remember that in, in, in chapter 4, verse 31 of Acts, they were all filled with the Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. So it's something that can happen for normal Christians like us. Uh, it's not limited to the apostles. Um, so what have we worked out so far? Okay, we've seen that being filled with the Spirit is special empowering to boldly proclaim the Word of God. 
And while Luke is describing the phenomena rather than telling us we must imitate it, there's no reason as far as I can see why God wouldn't do the same thing today. Uh, why he what, what, can't just be an apostolic thing. Uh, we can't fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, but we can pray for it, can't we? We can ask God to help our preachers and our evangelists to fill them with the Spirit that they may proclaim His Word boldly and clearly and truthfully and accurately, whether it's publicly or privately, and we can pray for ourselves and each other that God would fill us with His Spirit, that we might proclaim His Word clearly and faithfully in whatever opportunities and situations that He gives us. That would be a good thing to pray for uh, because we know we're dependent upon God uh, even as we go about seeking to speak His Word. In contrast to this, the book of Acts also has descriptions of people who are full of the Spirit. Um, it's, a slight, it's a different word, actually, in the Greek, and you see that reflected in the English, la, filled and full, right? Here are the references. Uh, in Acts 4.1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returns from the Jordan. Uh, in Acts 6.3, uh, they're looking for people who will help out in the church with the, with the, with the, uh, with the food and stuff. And they say, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom. One of those guys in 6.5 was Stephen, uh, and Stephen was the first martyr. Uh, and as he is being martyred in 7.55, he is full of the Holy Spirit and he sees the glory of God. Okay? Uh, in 11.24, uh, talking about... Uh, uh, oh, I forgot who this is now. Never mind. Someone who is, who is full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Okay? Uh, and many people were added to the Lord. Um, and so we see here Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And this, uh, because I remember this is, this is just after his baptism. He's going to be tested in the wilderness like Israel was tested many years before. But unlike Israel, he would pass the test because he's the perfect righteous man. He's full of the Spirit. Uh, and those of the Spirit, are full of the Spirit, have got, got character like His. They, they, they show godly and Christ-like character. Um, uh, and we see that. Ah, Acts 11 is Barnabas. Barnabas. <laughs> now we know. Okay. Uh, but being full of the Holy Spirit here, as you can see from the examples, uh, is linked with being full of wisdom, full of faith, of being good. It's the kind of character that, you know, you want people to be before their leaders, lah. Right? Uh, something that stays, uh, even in persecution and suffering. Right? This is not like the other examples we gave earlier, the filled with the Spirit. It's not like an instantaneous kind of thing. Uh, it's not an empowering. It's a, it's a, being full of the Spirit is like being, being like Jesus, uh, being full of the character of Jesus. It's like bearing the fruit of the Spirit that we saw in Galatians, which comes as we are led by the Spirit to holiness. So we've seen being filled with the Spirit, we've seen being full of the Spirit in, in, uh, in Luke and Acts. Uh, again, they are descriptive. They tell us what it's like, uh, and we have to work out, is this how, how should it be for us? Right? But the one place we're actually commanded uh, with the filling of the Spirit is in Ephesians 5.18. So come with me to that passage now. Come with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 on page 900. And 78, page 978. 
Now, as, we, uh, as you're looking at that, let me just set the context when we summarize very, very briefly the, up to where we're up to in Ephesians. Uh, in the first part of Ephesians, we saw that those who believe in Jesus, uh, God has blessed us in the heavenly places with all of every spiritual blessing uh, in Christ. We've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, uh, His sacrificial death on our behalf. We've been given the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing the great inheritance we will receive uh, when Jesus comes again. We were dead in our sins. God has made us alive in Christ. And we received this through faith. We were made part of the people of God. We were given a new life, new purpose, new identity. We live for His praise and glory. Now, the Holy Spirit also says for the Apostle Paul, this change in status means got to change the way we live. Since we are in Christ and we belong to Him, so the old way of living got to go out the door. We've got to live the new life that reflects who we really are in Christ. Got to get rid of the old roles, the old character we used to play, and now play a new character, a new role, because we are light, we are no longer walking in darkness. And so chapter 5 verse 2, this new way of life is called walking in love in 5 verse 2. Or if you go down to 5 verse 8, it's called walking as children of light. Or if you go down to 5.15, it's how you walk is not to be as unwise, but as wise. And what does it look like to walk in that way? Well, we will avoid, in verse 3, sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness. And in verse 4, filthy talking. And instead, uh, in verse 16, we will make the best use of time. We will, verse 17, understand God's will, which in the context of Ephesians means knowing His plan for us, uh, uh, both for our salvation and for godly living. And then in verse 18 we read this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now when God says don't get drunk with wine, I take it to mean don't get drunk on gin or whiskey or sherry or beer or whatever else people get drunk on either. All right? Um, he doesn't say don't take any wine at all. He says don't get drunk on wine. If you can drink without the risk of getting drunk and you're over the legal age, you're not going to cause anyone to stumble, then that's up to you. Uh, but if you're going to get drunk, then don't drink. All right? uh, what's the problem with getting drunk? What's, the, what, what's wrong with it? Uh, why is the Bible against it? Well, getting drunk, the Bible in our translation says debauchery. Now, that's not a word we kind of use very often, is it? Every time, I keep on forgetting what it is. I've got to keep on looking it up. Uh, the actual Greek word used is, can be translated recklessness. Uh, that's probably easier to, to get, isn't it? Right? It's a behavior that shows a lack of concern for or thought for the consequence of an action. You see, when people are drunk, they do very stupid things. Right? They forget to be self-controlled. They forget to think how their actions will impact on others. They forget to consider carefully uh, the effect of their decision, so they can do things with terrible consequences for themselves or others. And that is not the way of the Spirit. Uh, do not become intoxicated by wine, the Bible says, because that's reckless. Instead, be filled, or a better, with, or it says with, but probably a better translation is by the Spirit. Right? With and by, actually both valid translations of the Greek. Right? You, you can translate either way. But the particular sentence construction used here is always translated by in the rest of the New Testament. Let me show you the difference. Imagine, imagine the bottle of wine was there, right? And I'm pouring the wine into the chalice. 
right? The chalice is filled with wine. It is filled by me. All right? Uh, we talked about being full of the Spirit, filled by, but here we're actually talking about being filled by the Spirit. Now, what is, what, if you're filled by the Spirit, then what are you filled with? Uh, well, Paul doesn't say here, does he? Which is probably why people would prefer to translate with la. Uh, but actually, he's already told us what he prays that Christians are going to be filled with. If you come back a page to chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, go back to chapter 3, verse 16 to 19. Look at verse 16. Uh, Paul is praying here, and he's praying that God would strengthen these believers by His Spirit, isn't it? In verse 16. He may strengthen you, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. So that what? Verse 17. So that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith, that is, they would trust in Christ, really trust in Him, and that they, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That is, they will really understand God's love in Christ. So that they would, in verse 19, be filled with all the fullness of God. You see that? God strengthens, he's praying for God to strengthen them by his Spirit, so that they would really be trusting in Christ. They know how big is God's love for us in Christ, and so they are filled with the fullness of God. That's the long answer. La. Short answer is filled by the Spirit. Right? That is, the Spirit wants to make us more like God, more pure and more good. And how does He do it? He does it by pointing us to Christ and showing us the great love that God has for us in Jesus. He takes us back to the cross to help us understand deep down inside that God really, really loves us. And that is what's going to transform us. That is what's going to change us. That's what's going to enable us to be filled with the fullness of God. Be filled by the Spirit. Now, having understand that, we go back to 5.18. Go back to 5.18, all right? 5.18, so we're filled by the Spirit. And always, well, you know what the Spirit is filling us with? Uh, this be filled here is, uh, it, it's in a present tense, right? Which means it's not a once and for all thing, right? It's something, it's an ongoing thing. In other words, it's something that uh, Paul said, keep on being filled, right? It's a process, it's ongoing, not, not bang, right? It's a passive, it's not something you do to yourself, and yet it's a command. Now, how can a passive be a command? Well, it's a spirit who does it, so it's a passive, but it doesn't do it without our cooperation, so it's a command. And as we read the rest of the passage, walk in the light, avoid sexual immorality, don't get drunk, don't be greedy, all those things we have to do. And we do it because at the very same time, we know the Holy Spirit is enabling us to so love God that we do so. And so we are told to be filled by the Spirit. And that is the way of the Christian life for every believer. If you are a believer, you must be Spirit-filled. 
You must keep turning away from sin and pursuing righteousness. You must do this, not in order to save yourself, not in order to simply comply to a moral or religious code to make the world a better place. You keep on turning from sin and keep on pursuing righteousness because God's Spirit is at work within you, pointing you to God's love in Jesus and therefore changing you to become more and more like Him as you live your life. There is no other way to live the Christian life. Be filled by the Spirit. And it's not just an individual thing. It's a community thing. We as God's people together are to be filled by the Spirit. Because God's plan is not just that individually we become more like Christ, but that we become more like Christ together. And so part of being filled by the Spirit is encouraging each other in the same Spirit-sourced, gospel-centered love leading to obedience by, in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As we speak God's Word to each other, musically, well, that's one way that the Spirit points us to Christ and gives us that love for Him. So singing the gospel to each other, that's a very special thing, isn't it? We're so thankful for all the efforts our musicians put in to help us to do so well, aren't we? As we grow in our love for Jesus, we will, in verse 19, be singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. As we sing to the Lord from the heart, we, again, we grow in that appreciation of His love, which is the Spirit's work, and are transformed by it. And our singing to God and, and, and to each other not only comes from a thankful heart, it further cultivates thankfulness in our heart. The Spirit enables us to see, enables us to see what, a, what a wonderful blessing it is that we are the community of God's people who are chosen and redeemed and forgiven and adopted by Him. He assures us of God's love and the promise of eternal life in glory. And so a Spirit-filled church will be a thankful church, a church which in verse 20 is giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And a Spirit-filled church will be a church of love. It will be a community where relationships are rightly ordered according to God's plan because we love God and love each other. And so God's people are willingly and lovingly in verse 21 to submit to one another out of reference for Christ in the appropriate ways. And we'll look at those things in more detail when we preach through Ephesians later on in the year. So friends, what have we seen today? Being Spirit-filled is not about so much about experiencing a particular phenomena or being part of a particular denomination. It's not about if you've got particular gifts or you have felt particular sensations. It is, on the one hand, being filled with the Spirit is when God's Spirit gives us special empowerment to speak His Word. God has given the Spirit to all His people. All of us need the help of the Spirit to speak God's Word. Whether it's in groups or it's one-to-one, -one, whether it's formal or informal, whether it's to encourage each other, whether it's to believers or to unbelievers, we don't just need to know the Bible, we need the Spirit who gave us this Word to help us to share it. We need the Spirit's power. But the big thing we've seen today is that the Spirit transforms us to be holy. And we've got to work with Him. We are to be led by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, to produce the fruit of the Spirit, to be full of the Spirit, and to be filled by the Spirit with the fullness of God. And all of this is about the Spirit transforming us, both individually and as a people together, by taking us back to God's love 
which he shows us in the gospel, and strengthening us through that love to change our character. We've seen this is not an optional extra for Christians. It is those who are led by the Spirit of God who are children of God. Cannot be a Christian and be unconcerned about sin. Cannot follow Jesus and pursue the works of the flesh. So let me ask you today, is the Spirit applying the Word to your heart and showing you where you need to change? Is the Spirit leading you to kill some sin or other in your life? Well, follow the Spirit's lead. Go back to the love that God has shown you in Jesus and let the Spirit fill you with God's love so that you know that God's love for you in Jesus is far better than any sin that you may be tempted by. You love Jesus more than you love sin, don't you? Keep in step with the Spirit as He leads you to godliness. For the fruit of the Spirit is Christ-likeness in character. Do not resist the work of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have rescued us from sin and death and hell by giving your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross and to rise again. Thank you that you have shown us your great love through him. Thank you that your Spirit enables us to, to believe this wonderful gospel and shows us that love that you've given us in Christ. And thank you that he leads us now step by step day by day, to say no to sin and to be changed in the likeness of Christ. And thank you that we are not alone in this fight, but that we have your power working through him. Please help us, Father, to keep in step with him, to follow his lead and produce his fruit. And may he fill us, both individually and together, with all the fullness of Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.